Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, we thank you this day to be in the house of God. We thank you for divine friendships, those relationships that will change the world. You said two or more that are gathered in my name, I will be in, their pre- I will be in the midst of them. So give us a heart for these things, Lord. Give us a heart that does not compromise your truth. Give us a heart that's able to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to every man, woman, every child. We pray that your word this morning would give us the the necessary conviction to take you as serious as anything we take serious. And that the hearts of, of men and women compel them to walk as God would call us to walk. And Father, we just pray for seasons and times. 2018 is a new season of men and women that will culminate the ages. The last days are right in our midst, O God. Allow us to make your message as profound, as relevant, as real and authentic as anything we do in our lives. That we might move, O God, to the heartbeat of God in the rhythm of his grace during these last days. And give us a heart, Father God, to proclaim your truth in a time where there's great deception, chaos, and confusion. Give us experts at this delivery and communication of your word, O God. People that are eloquent and articulate to, to put forth your message. Bless your word this morning that we might be receptive to it as a good seed planted in good hearts that will produce good fruit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, and amen. One of the super interesting things with respect to what we're doing here this morning is the proclaiming of the word of God. It it is the hallmark and passion of Billy Graham, his lifetime. He was known as the prince of preachers, the man who was able to to communicate for God. They asked him, will you be the president of the United States? He was so prominent, such a a charismatic leader. They said, we we want a president like yours. He says, "I'm, I'm involved in something a little bit more important. I, I cannot come down to another expression of life because God has called me to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no greater calling than to be able, be able to proclaim the word of God. And, and, and as it's being proclaimed, I remember the first day that I was invited to church and it, it was confusing. I didn't understand why were those people there? Why were people joyful when life was not joyful? It really bothered me to such an extent that I ran outside. I I, I left the building. I said, I'm going, you know, I I commend the people that come for the first time and they stay. I was like, that's fascinating. I didn't do that. I was one of those people that says, all these people are crazy. I'm out of here. They're a bunch of nuts in the house of God. And, And so I ran out and all the praise, there's an hour an hour into the service, when everybody sat down from the preaching and, I mean, from the praising and the celebrating, um, there were all sorts of instruments. And, and I said, well, these guys are nuts. People were dancing. 
People were yelling. People were excited about being in the house of God. So I ran outside. And, and I, my thoughts were, these guys are locos. They're, and I even, I went a little bit further. My self-righteousness, I said, these people are un, not reverent. In the house of God, you have to be reverent. How could you be shouting hallelujah, glory to God, and clapping and dancing? And it was offensive because I had my own paradigm of what was supposed to be. So I went outside. I, I lit up a cigarette, 16-year-old punk, lighting up a cigarette and saying, these people inside are crazy. And then when the song service was over, they went outside and they got it. They said, hey, young people, you guys want to come back inside? We're about to start the preaching. So we were trying to be respectful. We came back inside. Um, I won't tell you who I was with, Omar Vasquez. Um, <laughs> and so we came back inside and we began to listen. And that word that was being spoken by those preachers transformed our lives. There, there was no psychologist, psychiatrist. There was no medicine. There was no pharmaceutical. It was the preaching of God's word. And there's nothing on the earth more powerful than when God decides to communicate in a language we understand to give us a message that will transform our lives. If, if your life is not transformed by the gospel, you haven't heard it yet. If, it, if your, your, your heart is not captured by the love of God, you, our hearts have become hardened to not understand what God is calling us to. And this happened in the times of Jesus. If we read Matthew 13, 34, the Bible says that Jesus spoke all his messages in parables. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude was in parables. And he refused to speak without a parable. And without a parable, parable he did not speak to them. Without an illustration, these, these parables were like stories that would talk about truth to communicate something that would touch the heart of men. And so it's important that we, we begin to understand, Lord, you're trying to deliver a message in my heart that will capture my heart so that I might change the way that I live. And in many parables... He would describe the kingdom of God is like this. And the kingdom of God is like this. And there once was a man with two sons. And he would talk about the prodigal son. And he would talk about the virgins. And, and the, it will be on the day of judgment like goats and sheep. And everything he spoke was an illustration after illustration. Um, I, I met a young man years ago in Mexico. And he says, I've written five parables. I said, really? Really? With all the parables that are in the Bible, you have to come up with your own? Why, why don't you pursue the depth of what Christ was trying to communicate in the parables he's given us? So we have an incredible um, teaching and, and series on the parables. Try and, and, and what was the first parable he sought, he taught, and the second one, and the third, and, and how he explained all kingdom truths using stories in this proclamation. Now, he says that he spoke like this so that only those who had hunger for truth could really understand. Because like Kenny was saying, he was here last night, he says, there's a lot of young people here that are going to walk away today without 
hating what God hates. And they won't even understand what that means. So they'll dance with the devil. They'll, they'll get close to evil. They'll, they'll find it attractive. They won't hate it. They'll befriend it. And so here, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural man, the, the earthly man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. There's a, like a rejection. Uh, the... <laughs> The first thing God told me when I became a Christian, after he told me to respect and honor my dad, he told me, get away from your friends. That didn't make sense to me. Because the only thing I had were my friends. So if I didn't have a heart for God, I would not have listened to him. I would have said, no, God, we, this is our last time together. I'm not going to get away from my friends. So what would it take a 16, 17, 18-year-old man, not his father is calling him, it's not the church that's telling him, it's not a preacher, it's the Spirit of God, it's the Holy Spirit who's telling my spirit, get away from your worldly friends. And so there, let's go, let's go to that verse in 1 Corinthians 2.14. The natural man does not receive the things that are from the Spirit of God. For to him, they are foolishness. They don't make sense to the natural man. He can't even know them. He can't even get close to them because these things are to be spiritually discerned. So that's why people always come to church and they come week after week after week and it never resonates in their heart. They never start the journey of God for their lives because they want to receive it in the natural, and these things are supernatural. They want to receive it in the earthly, and these things are eternal. They have nothing to do with what we know. So at the age of 16, 17, 18 years old, the Lord told me, you got you to gotta get away from your f- friends. I said, Lord, I've been with them since I was 13, 12 years old. How is it you want me to break? And so there is the, they call it the dichotomy, the paradox, the two things. Are you going to listen to God or are you going to say God's a jerk? God's a fool. I don't, you know, they're foolishness to him. Why would God want me? Well, look what happens in a 30-year lifetime that now I could be a blessing to all my friends. I could, I could be a, a, a leader. I, I could be... Uh, someone who comes and, and blesses, not only my friends, nations. But if you're not listening to the voice of God, you, do, you don't follow that. And a lot of time, these men that were listening to Christ, John 8, 43, Jesus would tell these people, why, is my, why do you not understand my speech? I'm, he was speaking in their language. He was speaking in their tradition. He was speaking according to their culture. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you don't want to listen to my word. You don't want to obey what I'm saying. That's why it's hard for you. Uh, when, when a parent talks to a son, they know exactly what they're saying. And the, the child is listening to Chinese. When I'm telling my nieces that they're to stay away from fools, they're like, I don't understand Tio. Nobody's good for him. No, not that nobody's good for me. In a couple years, you're going to understand. You wish you would flush somebody down the toilet because you didn't discern an instruction of blessing, 
an empowerment of prosperity, of peace, and of joy. You didn't understand it because you're not in that season. Right now, you're, you're listening and looking limited-wise. I'm looking because I've already been married 25 years, and I enjoy my marriage every second of my marriage. I have joy and peace. And my children have never seen me leave my house, have never heard me tell Yvette, I don't want to be with you, have never seen me call it quits and throw in the towel. Uh, Nick was 18 years old, my oldest boy. And he tells me these words. He says, thanks, Dad. I was like, thanks, what, what, what's going on? You never left. You never left. You always came home. I was like, wow. Why? Because that is not normal. That's supernatural. In a day and an age where so many men are leaving and calling it quits and throwing the towel because it's too... I, I was just talking to a young man this week. He says, Pastor... I finally come to talk to you because I have an issue with my wife, with my mother-in-law, with my parents, with my job, and with my relatives. So this man is being pulled in five directions. And without Christ, no man could withstand. Without Christ, any man will throw the towel and say, get the heck out of here. I'm leaving. I don't need this hassle. But that's the normal uh, that's what we're up against. So when Christ comes, he's bringing a message for our salvation. He says, my language is not clear to you, not because it's not clear to you, but because you don't want to do what I'm talking. You don't understand my speech. I'm not talking Chinese or German. I'm not talking some foreign Russian language. The reason there's no clarity with the words that I'm sending in your direction is because you don't feel like listening, adhering, obeying my instruction. And so that's, that's a heartbeat. Listen, I don't know what it, what it was, but when a pastor, when I was 16, this was 34 years ago, when a pastor spoke to me, to me, it was like God speaking to me. Why? Because that guy didn't have to waste his time to talk to me. Last night we were in Coconut Grove and there was four thugs, four, four hoodlums. And they were looking for trouble. I said, come here, you found trouble. <laughs> they, they, were, they wanted to fight. They, they wanted to express their, their frustration, their rebellion. And, and I, I, was like, I was like hesitant. Because I know if things go wrong with these guys, it's going to go really wrong. Poor Carlos is going to have to come and rescue me. My wife and Veronica are going to have to come and risk. Guess what? Hey, guys, and I gave them four cards. What is a man? You guys need this. And they were like, you know, what's up, homie? Like, are you trying us tonight? I was like, look, one day you're going to get married, and when your wife finds out you're not a man, she's going to leave you for someone else. And so if you're interested in this, give me a call. And I gave them four cards. I begin to share with them. And at first, you know, they, they think it's a fight. They think it's a rumble. They think it's, it's this guy's trying us. And I said, look, this is, the one guy says, listen, I don't trust any woman. I trust money. I said, look, you know why you don't trust mo uh, women? Because you're the first one when you have a girlfriend, you go, shh, don't tell your father we're having sex. So you tell that to your girlfriend, shh, don't tell your dad. 
And then you get married to her and you go off to work. And then a guy goes through her life and says, shh, don't tell your husband we're having sex. I said, who taught her that? And they go, yo, you're so right. I never thought of that. Whoa, that's good. <laughs> and their eyes opened up because they heard language. They, they were communicated with. They were giving. And I said, and who's to teach you this stuff if you don't come and learn? If you don't come and hear truth, if you don't come and hear principles. So you're invited, come and be a part of, of instruction. So what, what was Jesus saying? And this is the sad part. Because if God is trying to reach us with his language, it's not clear to you. And it's not clear to you because you want to live in your rebellion and disobedience. Verse 47 of that same chapter, John 8, 47 he, he draws a line. He says, those that cannot hear my words, he who is of God can hear. It doesn't take much to, for, for God to issue forth with his language and communication, what they call preaching, and people hear. Those who hear God's word, they, are, they belong to God. He who is of God hears God's word, receives it. The, 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 at the age of 16... At the height of my rebellion, when God begins to speak to me, I begin to walk in the direction of his voice, his Holy Spirit, the word of God. And therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. If, if you're not receiving the direction God is leading you in, there's, there's one, you're not going to end up where God wants you to end up. You, you won't be receptive. So that, that's, the, that's the necessity to say, God, speak to me. Parables revealed the truth to those who really sought it. But it also concealed truth from mockers and those who were indifferent. I, I, I've been around for a long time speaking to a lot of people, and they still don't see with clarity. They still, everything is foggy to them. They, they think there's an underlying motive in an opposite direction. He said these words in John 10, 1, that there was a difference between being a follower and one who is trying to, he uses the word, those who climb up another way are thieves and robbers. John 10, verse 1, most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter in the direction of the sheepfold by the door, but is trying to find some other way in. The same is a thief and a robber. I, I, I said, Lord, bring clarity of speech to my life so I know the direction I should walk. And instantly, when you're receptive to the word of God from the man of God, prosperity is your highlight. You see expressions of God's favor and blessing like you would never see. Amen. But the sheep, uh, but those who climb up any other way, they're trying to grab an advantage in thievery and robbery. They're trying to get ahead in an illegitimate manner. Take what doesn't belong to them. Uh, try to connive what has not been given to them. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. 
There's, there's a manner and there's a pattern and there's a principle that is able to prosper your life. Uh, verse two, 3, to him the doorkeeper opens. And listen what it says. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. It's a personal thing. And leads them out. One of the, one of the issues I had and I think it's global, when I first started in the Lord, I said, Lord, why don't you talk to everybody like you talk to me? I'll give you a quick answer 35 years later, because not everybody is going to go where God is taking me. I'm not everybody. I was always like, but I see everybody else, they're having fire going that way. And you're talking to me about things that I don't understand. Why? And the answer is because he has a special place for me individually. I'm not part of the crowd. I have purpose and significance in, in his instruction. So if you're not hearing his voice, you have to be concerned. If you don't want to hear his voice, if you're running from his voice, then you're not going to end up where he has planned for you. And so this is a personal thing. And, and, and it's been like that since day one. Some people tell me, Pastor, I go to your church and every message is like almost like somebody's talking to you about me. I go, they are. His name is God. And he's talking to me straight about you. And it's particular about you. And it's almost freaky. It's freaky. It is. It's freaky. But, but he speaks with an individual voice to lead you by name. And he's the one that leads you out. He, he, verse 4, and when he brings out his own sheep, he goes in front of them. I love this, that way before anything happened in my life, God was going ahead of me speaking about those things. He was clearing the way. He was, he was signaling the way. I, I didn't have to wander about in darkness. He, he was up ahead of me, going ahead of me, verse 4. He goes before them and the sheep follow him for they are acquainted with his voice. And, and if there's ever a contrast, it's verse 5. They wouldn't come near to following a stranger. They, they don't have their voice tuned. Um, it's funny because I, I say this about even young people. They, they grow up in a family with a parent that gives them Food every day, three times a day. They bathe, they clothe, school. Is everything is on the plate for them, and a total dimwit says, "Hey man, let's go get a tattoo," and they just go with a total dimwit to go do what their parents have told them not to do for 25 years. And so that that's curious. Um, uh, we 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 got a petting farm for for our kids. We went to a birthday. They were probably five years old. And so the petting zoo is that, that season of their life. And so there was a big, a big cage. There was a chicken, and there was a turkey, and there was a piglet, and, and there was a goat, and there was sheep, and all that stuff. And all of a sudden, the goat went over and, and nozzled with his, with his mouth, his nozzle, and opened up the little fence of that petting zoo. And the goat ran outside, and the sheep followed him. I go, no. You're a sheep. You're not supposed to follow the goat. I was like, <laughs> it was so sad. I was like, how the heck do sheep follow goats? 
They don't follow a stranger, John 10, 5. They by no means follow a stranger. They're, the contrast is they don't follow a stranger. Listen to what they do. They flee from him. They don't sit down and have dinner. They don't sit down and invite. They don't sit down and converse. They, they don't have fellowship with goats. Goats have rebellion in their hearts. They don't have appetite for wisdom. They do not know the voice of strangers. That's sheep. They're not intimate. What, what, what was what's going on in Eve's life is the exchange with the devil. What, what, what did you say? And, 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 tell me, and, and that, that exchange confuses what God had told them. The conversation waters down. They're not supposed to be in conversation. One of the things that uh, they say about preaching, it, it captures the heart. If the word that comes, the communication that is given, doesn't capture the heart, then our lives are doomed. 1 Corinthians 1.21 says um, that God chose preaching as the methodology to bring salvation. Since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It wasn't like 2 plus 2 is 4 and that would work. It had to be the preaching of the gospel. It says, because simple wisdom did not bring men to God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the preached message. This is the dynamic. I thank God. I have a high, listen, if you, if you want to know, okay, you, you put the weight of this concept of a preacher in your hand, and here's me right here. Preachers to me are the highest, not because I'm a preacher, but I'm, I'm super, super close and friendly with incredible preachers across the land. And so you put a preacher in my hand here, and I don't say he's a jerk. Um, we were talking about a gentleman was having a conversation, and, and in a moment of, of an issue, he, he called pastor, pastor, I need, I'm going through this, I need to know what, what you would have me do. And, and so he was talking, and I, whenever I have an issue, I go, and I call pastor, and, and pastor speaks to me. And that person says, you might as well go to your neighbor, knock on the door, and ask their neighbor, and, and find out what they want. What good is a preacher? So to that person, preachers have no value. Anybody could give you a word. But to some people, preachers are agents of God, messengers of God, that preach God's message for you and your family. And for other people, preachers are a joke. Um, this morning, I woke up on Facebook. And, and the guy had put a, a message. He says, you preachers are, because I had Billy Graham up there, and I said, he's one of my heroes. And he says, he is a thief together with all preachers that steal people's money. So the concept of preachers to some people is they have, they're, they're even worse than no good. They're, they're bad. And so here he says that God chose a methodology. I, I don't know. So some, a friend of mine, he has a wife. And God says, and I have the same thing about wives. I put wives in a high, uh, why? Because God says they're our perfect helper. And those two things, perfect and helper, are God's opinion about our wives. They're perfect and they're helpers. So if you don't receive what they're telling you, you're going to miss out on good stuff. Because they're there to help you. I know they're going to contradict you probably 99 points at a time, time, but because you're not perfect, they are. So they'll give you counsel for your prosperity. 
And so I'll put them up there, and some people feel that, that wives are, are, are a hindrance. And so I, I, I told one man, I said, everything your wife tells you, you should really consider it. Because God has moved her heart in a certain direction for your prosperity. And if you're not attentive to that, you miss out on God's game plan many times. So here God began the preaching of his word in Jerusalem. It went over to a place called Antioch. It went over to a place called the Byzantine Empire, to Rome, to, America, to England, then to America. And it's always been this methodology of preaching that captures the heart of man to do the will of God. So, so that's one of the reasons we come to church. Um, today, many of the pulpits at church are filled with psychology. God doesn't want me to be a psychologist. You, you could go hire a psychologist. We're to preach the word. Uh, Pastor, why don't you joke around a little bit more? Because I'm, I'm not a comedian. I'm not here to humor you. I'm here that you might line your heart with God's heart. And that my words would capture your heart to transform your conduct. And if that doesn't happen then there's no way that you could get to where God is leading you. Uh, we, we need to prepare our hearts. That's what we do during the worship, during the praise, is, is to align our heart to be receptive to the word. We said it last week. Some guy tunes in every week to listen to my message to criticize me. To start talk, oh, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. I don't agree. What the heck are you doing looking at our preaching if you're not receptive to the words of God? It's just going to be a hindrance to you. The Bible says it's foolishness. To those who perish. God chose preaching in this, in this framework. And, and I used to love it because after every preacher would speak, I would go to my house and do cleanup. I would throw away everything that contradicted what I had heard that morning. I was lining up my life to do the will of God. To crush everything that was a competing interest in my life. God, what do you want? How do you want it? Where do you want it? Your purpose is fulfilled in my life through the preaching of the gospel. Paul says that he would rather die than not to be faithful in proclaiming the truth of God. This one guy went up to Duke of Wellington and says, Sir, should we preach the gospel to every creature? The Duke of Wellington was asked, Sir, should we preach the gospel to every creature? And the Duke of Wellington said, what are your orders? What has God told you to do? To preach in season and out of season. What, what is the embodiment of preaching? What does it entail? Paul tells Timothy in 1 Tim, uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, he says, make sure, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 4, 2, preach his principles in season and out of season. Preach God's word in season and out of season. What is in season and out of season? Every season. If, if, you're, if you're fed up with God's word, you have issue. It's just in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. Oh, haven't we had fun? Haven't, don't we enjoy that God is constantly, unceasingly preaching his word? How does it happen? Listen to this, Convix, uh, convincing, rebuking, exhorting, and being patient to instruct. That's preaching. It's just a constant scenario. It's like parenting. Some people come to my office and say, I, I want to kill my kid. I said, no, you got to parent your kid, not kill him. You got to be a parent. And parenting is always and is constant. 
And it's not moving you to wrath or to anger or to be offended or, or I'm not talking. No, that, that makes you a parent. And the same thing with a preacher. I'm not going to get tired of preaching in God's grace. I'm going to be here. I'm going to preach to the young. To Some guy came and he says, my daughter's really stressing you out. She's 19 and we keep on being such a bother to you, Pastor. I said, look, I have to take this in stride and in grace because I have to be here so that I can um, pastor the, the ones that are being born. The ones that are 20 years away from me being able to give them life. life. And, and, you know, they'll be, some will be receptive and some will reject. Some will say, hey, bring it on, Pastor. I need this light. I need this word. I need this encouragement. I need you to pull out a flag when I'm out of bounds. When I, when I want to play Little League, but I don't want there to be foul balls. Every time I swing, I hit a foul ball, and you could make me do it again. If I didn't do that, I would be a disservice to you because your life is going to be a foul ball. You need to receive the word that God presses in the heart of men of God to rebuke, to exhort, to instruct. Why? Verse 3. Because the time will come where people won't put up with that. The time will come where people will not endure. The word endure is suffer. So the preaching brings suffering. The pastor's not going to tell you, yeah, go for it, Bubba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, Ivan, go. Go, Ivan, go. No. I'm here to direct traffic so you don't hit a mountain like an uh, airplane. Uh, This uh, Spanish airplane um, was approaching the the hills of Spain. And and as he was approaching, the the watchtower says, hey, you got to be careful because there are mountain ranges in the area. And the last words the pilot was heard saying in that little box, after the airplane crashes, they go get the little box. These were the last words of the pilot. These stupid gringos. He was talking about the guy who was telling him, be careful because of the mountains. The last words he says is so stupid. Look what he's talking to my life. And so the preaching is like that. It comes to proclaim. But people won't put up with preaching in the last days. But according, ready? Here's the offset to preaching. Their own desires. But according to their own desires, they set everything up to what feels good for me. Because they have itching ears, they will heap up teachers that will tell them what they want to hear. Give me the easy road out of this. Give me what's easy. And and that's where they end up. Verse 1 says, because God is coming to judge the living and the dead. This is the reason we preach. We're going to all be held accountable to God's reality for our life. He's going to judge every single one of us. And so you'll see that the people would rather, verse 4, turn to fables. You have to consciously say, I'm not going to listen to the preaching. I'm going to turn my ear away from truth and be turned to fantasy. Fables are lies. It's, it's a promise that's not fulfilled. And so preach, preaching comes to deliver us from lies. Let's not turn our hearts away from these things. Let's not look in a direction that is contrary to God's direction for our lives and prosperity. I love to see people wait on the Lord because they see the salvation of God. Jonah chapter 2 verse 9. You know the story of Jonah. He sent to Nineveh to preach, to proclaim truth. This Nineveh was twisted. Everybody was doing everything wrong. And, and, and Jonah didn't even want to go. But finally, the words that he says before he goes is that I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, that I'm listening to your voice. I will pay what I have vowed. 
so that I might see the salvation of the Lord. The, the whole purpose of, of having God proclaim a word in our direction is that we want not be part of the statistics that are, but that we might see the salvation of God come to our lives. That's what happened in Nineveh when Jonah was faithful to preach. Um, I don't know that, that uh, there are places that I'm celebrated. Come and, and tell us your word. Speak clarity into the scenario. And there's some places that when I come, they turn off the lights and they don't answer the door. And they say, no one's home. We don't want to hear what you're telling our lives. And they're not, they're not rejecting me. Um, I don't represent Amway or Coca-Cola. I, I have given my life over to God to hear his voice. I'm very attentive to making sure that I'm not speaking of my own will, of my own heart, of my own opinion, but the truth of God so that there's prosperity. And, and the evidence is there. The evidence is people who love truth will see prosperity in their future. And people who resist the preaching and proclamation of God's truth uh, are going to perish. Uh, I love here in Romans 10... He says like this, he says, how will God be able to save people? Romans 10, 13. If everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If those who are crying out to hear from God, God has deliverance plan, how will they be saved? Verse 15 says, no, verse 14. How can they be saved unless they believe in him? They stand with him. And how will they believe in him whom they haven't heard? If we don't have people speaking into our lives, we don't have a chance because we won't know what direction to take. But if God is faithful in bringing the word, the proclamation of his word, then we have that which will, uh, he says, and how shall they believe in whom who they have not heard? And how shall they hear? How is it we're going to know how to distinguish between right and wrong and contrast good and evil and righteousness and unrighteousness without a preacher, without one who proclaims truth? And people who don't have appetites for preachers, you'll see they won't hang out at church and they won't listen to the pastor and they don't even have a pastor and they prefer the pastor dies. Just kill this man because he's killing me. And, and that, that's not the way to go. In these last days, we are the hope of salvation to the world as we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so these principles, uh, I, I wish I had my phone with me. Uh, Gordon Pennington writes me a message. Somebody go get my phone in, in my office. It's on my desk. Um, he writes these words. He says, Pastor, after now that we have met several times and we have talked, I understand that there's no hope for this world outside of the principles of God's word and that's what, what is a man is teaching. He's experienced the fragmentation of his family, a relationship without his father. Now he has stepsisters and a stepmother. His mother has already died and, and this, is, this is what the world is needing to hear in a, in a very clear voice. He says these words. How will people relate and be able to take care of one another or be brought together outside of a family context where there's a man 
who's given meaning, purpose, structure, nurture, guidance, and leadership to his family. These are all the issues that what is a man movement is addressing and why it is so clear and so urgently important. I am deeply concerned about advancing the restoration of the authentic biblical man. I see the disconnect that is eroding relationships between children and grandchildren who have known each other all their lives but have been held together by the thin tendril of a relationship with dad. If, if, if we don't like the preacher and the preaching and righteousness, what hope do our children have? I love the story of Walt Disney. His father was best friends with the pastor of his town, Walt Disney's father. And when Walt Disney was born, the father says, I'm going to name you after the pastor of the church. So Walt is the, actually the pastor of Walt Disney's dad. That's how he cherished the man that was shepherding his family. Let's stand this morning and ask God to help us understand communication, language, and the message. That it not be foreign, that it not be distant, that it not be unclear. That's how the devil speaks with chaos, with confusion, with uncertainty, with disobedience. We learn this. This is one of the things we learn. Delayed obedience is... Wait, wait, wait. You guys didn't get it again. Delayed obedience is disobedience. disobedience. And we don't think so. This generation delays obedience like they don't even grasp it. Father, thank you this day for being in the house of God. Thank you for this message of truth, this proclamation of your word with respect to you communicating in a language that delivers a message of salvation and righteousness that we might have a heart that embraces and not turn away to lies, to rebellion, to disobedience. That we be a companion of those who fear God, those who love the word of instruction, of truth, of obedience, those who understand the necessity to embrace the words that are found in the Bible. Prosper us, we pray, in Jesus' name. In these last days of rebellion, disobedience, and deception, that we, oh God, would be so filled with the Spirit of God that we would receive the rebuke, the exhortation, the instruction and correction that comes from these righteous men that you have established upon the earth to deliver your message. Heal our hearts, forgive our rebellion, we proclaim your salvation to our children and children's children from now till forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray in the house of God says amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.